Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, there's plenty to feel good about this chilly Thursday morning if you're a Houston Astros or New Orleans Pelicans fan, isn't there? Both of them victorious. Pels put on quite a show there in Brooklyn in their NBA season opener, and the Strohs, Verlander was dealing, and they got their home run trots in as they took game one of the ALCS against the New York Yankees. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and company on this bundled up Thursday edition of the show. We got a tremendous Thursday lined up for you. Lee Sterling, our sports betting analyst from Paramount Sports, We'll be joining us at 7.30, weekend slate of SEC action, as well as NFL. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com will recap the Pelicans' win and look ahead to tonight's Saints-Cardinals Thursday night football game. Gary Goff, McNeese head football coach, will join us as they gear up for a road trip down to home of Thibodeau to take on the Nichols Colonels. And from the Locked On Cardinals podcast, Alex Clancy will join us to help us preview tonight's Saints-Cardinals game and give us an idea of what's going on with this Arizona Cardinals team. Is their head coach on the hot seat? How much of an impact will DeAndre Hopkins make to the lineup tonight? And Kyler Murray? Are folks sold on him yet? So that's what we got lined up for you this morning here on RP3 and Company. Of course, We'll take your phone calls as always. We love to hear from you. You know that. Game hotline is up and open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we also love to hear from you on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and all the social media shawls, as they like to say. But let's start with the Houston Astros. Taking on the Yankees, this will be the fourth time since 2015 the two teams have met in the American League playoffs. Astros eliminated them in 15, 17, 19. Yankees were forced to play an extra day, if you will, because of rain, so they weren't able to wrap up game five of their American League division series until Tuesday. They win the game, they celebrate, then they have to get on a plane and take the red eye to Houston. And what a game it was for a while. Verlander was absolutely dealing. 
He was, man, he just, he just, he needed the time off. He said that he was tweaking some things. He didn't like the mechanics that he showed at the end of the season. In particular, his AL Division Series matchup against the Mariners. He spoke to the media about that and said, hey, I got to work on some things. I'm working on some things. So he took time out to do that, and boy, did it show. I just, he was vintage Verlander. Remember, his his previous five postseason starts, which includes the Mariners matchup, he'd been bad. No wins, 0-4, no wins, ERA of like 10. But what he showed last night was the Verlander that the Strohs first got when they helped him win a World Series title. Just phenomenal. Verlander struck out 11 Yankees across six innings of one-run ball and retired the final 11 Yankees he faced. Yankees had no chance. It's just one of those games where you watch and go, okay, maybe they'll get a chance once he gets out. Because sometimes a pitcher is just so dominant. He's such in the zone. You're not touching him. And JV was feeling himself. He was vintage Verlander last night. And we hadn't seen that. If you're an Astro fan, you hadn't seen that in a while. And I'm just not talking because he missed nearly two years because of Tommy John. He had struggled in the postseason even before he got injured. But he was in control. Struck out 11 across six innings of one run ball and retired the final 11 Yankees he faced. The Yankees on the night would strike out 11 times, 17 times. Verlander struck out 11 as a team. The Yankees struck out 17 times. The Astros only struck out twice. The 15 strikeout differential is the largest in a game in Major League Baseball postseason history. You knew it was going to be the Astros night when Verlander was vintage Verlander dealing, dominating, and you have, wait for it, Yuli Gurriel hitting home runs. Like, Yuli was on the struggle bus all season. All season long. He only had eight home runs during the regular season. Remember, he was your American League batting champion in 2021. Which, for those who aren't baseball people, that means he had the highest batting average of a regular time player. He only had eight home runs during the regular season. He's already had two this postseason. They've played four games. Not only does Julie Gurriel get in on the action, Martin Maldonado gets a hit. So you get vintage Verlander, and on top of it, you get the guys on the bottom of the lineup 
at the bottom of the lineup card that are going off at the plate. You know it's your night when the six, seven, eight, nine hitters are leading you at the dish and putting up enough runs to win. Altuve, Bregman, and Jordan weren't great. They weren't. Yankees took the lead first with a Harrison Bader solo home run. Won nothing. But then Malnado hit a double to the home bullpen to score Chaz McCormick to tie the game up in Houston. It's a pitcher's duel. It's a defensive ball game all the way until the sixth. And that's when Yuli hits a solo shot into the Crawford boxes to make it 2-1 Strohs. Then there was the opposite field home run by McCormick to make it 3-1. Verlander, that's all what he needed for run support, the 39-year-old. Once again, six complete innings, striking out 11, and retired the last 11 batters he faced. His 11 strikeouts also made him the all-time postseason strikeout leader in Major League Baseball history. 219 strikeouts in the postseason. That's essentially a whole season's worth. And he's done it in the postseason. With the two World Series trips when he was with Detroit, and then obviously being with the Astros and making it to two World Series himself. Remember, he was not on the roster for last year's World Series run. Jeremy Pena, he was the hero of the ALDS against Seattle. Well, the rookie sensation hit a home run in last night's game as well, making it 4-1. to one. Anthony Rizzo, the former Chicago Cub and World Series champion for the Yankees, cut into the Houston lead. By hitting a solo shot to right center in the eighth, that made it four to two, but that was enough. Ryan Presley came in, closed the door, four out save, and struck out three. As once again, the Yankees struck out 17 times in this ballgame. Striking out 17 times is not optimal. Just, just not. I'm going to go on a limb and say, not great, Bob. Not great. And now the Strohs have a 4-1, a 1-0 advantage after the 4-2 win. It was important for the Strohs to take game one. The Yankees had the momentum. And I know the Strohs are in the Yankees' head. I get that. But it was important because... The Yankees had won their series, had got the momentum. They just played the day before. They were riding high. And this is exactly what the Astros needed to do is get the win, but also kind of be a buzzkill, so to speak, for the Yankees. Verlander, great. Presley, great. And once again, they did this with guys at the bottom of the lineup. Pena batted in the two-hole last night. He was great. Three for four with a run scored in an RBI. But Jose Altuve, 0 for four. Drew a walk. 
Jordan Alvarez, 0 for 2, drew two walks. Expect him, by the way, to be walked an average of probably twice a game by the Yankee staff. He's got great plate discipline, but the Yankees are not going to give up home run blasts to Jordan Alvarez. It's just not going to happen. That's going to be their strategy. I can go ahead and tell you that now. But Alex Bregman, 0 for 3. Kyle Tucker, the All-Star, 0 for 4. If I would have told you before yesterday's game that Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, and Kyle Tucker, their four best hitters, would combine, combine to go 0 for 12. Do you think the Astros would have won? Probably not. That's if you don't pay attention to the Astros. I've spoke about this over and over again. They're so deep with their lineup that even when they have a night where their force bets hitters can't buy a hit. Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker. 0 for 12. It's not an issue. Because Jeremy Pena picks up the slack and goes 3 for 4. Because Yuli Gurriel gets himself a hit, a home run. Because Chaz McCormick, McCormick, goes two for three with two runs scored. Even Martin Maldonado got himself a hit that drove in a run. The weakest part of their lineup was good enough to beat the Yankees. If you're New York, that's what you got to think about now. Our pitcher went out there and held their four best hitters to 0 for 12 in the di- at the dish. And their worst hitters, guys who we wouldn't even allow to be on the Yankees roster, beat us. And now they're down one nothing. Just saying. <laughs> it's going to be tough. I think this Yankees team is different. I really do. I think they've added pieces like Rizzo, Garrett Cole, and others that have experienced postseason success and don't live, have not allowed the Astros to live rent-free in their heads. But they're still managed by Aaron Boone, who I don't understand how he utilized his bullpen last night. Been warning you, Yankee fan, about that. And it's a mental hurdle. Game two is tonight. Turn right back around and get right after it. Game two, Yankees at Stroh's. First pitch is 637. You can listen to the game on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. We got the Saints-Cardinals Thursday night football game here on the game tonight. So game two of the ALCS between the Yankees and Shroes can be heard on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch, 631. Cervino versus Valdez will be your pitching matchup. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll talk about those New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson putting on a show last night in the season opener in Brooklyn. 
right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. SuperiorContractCleaning.com Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Uh, the New Orleans Saints will be taking on the Arizona Cardinals tonight, and the game is going to get you ready for that primetime matchup. Crunch time with Miguez in Mesh is going to be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnston from 4 to 6. That's right. Both Matthew and the Donut will be in the house. So go, so come hang out with the fellas. Enjoy the ice-cold beverages and tasty burgers and delicious appetizers that are going to be on the menu tonight, Thursday. As the Saints take on the Cardinals on Thursday night football, no better way to get you prepared for that game than to hang out there at Twin Peaks with Miguez and Mesh. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. New Orleans Pelicans begin the season with authority. 130 to 108 win on the road in Brooklyn over the Nets. Zion Williamson was a monster. He just was. See what you get when you have healthy Zion? 30 minutes, 25 points, nine boards. Six of those came on the defensive side. He had four steals and three assists. That and one he had in the game, filthy. Filthy. Was it as filthy as Herb Jones's block on Durant? Yeah, I was a little bit more filthy than that. But as great as Zion was, it just wasn't him. And this is what you see now from this Pelicans team. The big concern was, for me, can Zion stay healthy? And how does he get integrated into what the Pelicans want to do? Because remember, he didn't play at all with these guys last year. And then those guys came together after the C.J. McCollum trade, built up some chemistry, got into the play-in tournament, won the play-in tournament games, and put a scare into Phoenix. And you see it now. Zion, 25-9, and nearly had the double-double. Brandon Ingram led the team with 28 points. Seven rebounds himself. Jonas Valanciunas, double-double, 15-13. and C.J. McCollum, a quiet 21 points. And then they're getting 16 points off the bench from Trey Murphy. Everyone came off the bench of the six players. Four of them scored. You're starting five, four guys in double digits. You got a guy coming off the bench scoring in double digits, and you got three other guys coming off the bench giving you minutes, and more importantly, giving you points. It's a heck of a way to open up the season. Brooklyn, meanwhile, Durant, look, even when you have someone on them, the Slim Reaper is what he is. 32 points. Hit four blocks. Kyrie Irving chipped in 15, but that's it. That's all they had. Ben Simmons, former LSU star. Your starting point guard. Gave you four points. 
he nearly had as many turnovers as he did points because he had three of those. And five assists. Really? <laughs> like, really? Ben Simmons, ladies and gentlemen. Four points, five assists, three turnovers. Starting point guard in the association. That's what we like to call a good old-fashioned wolf. But this is all about the Pelicans, not about the dysfunction that is the Brooklyn Nets. Seam looks good. It's one game, and I need to see it for at least half a season. I'm just going to be honest with you. Not that we're going to ignore the New Orleans Pelicans. Not that I'm going to discount a great start to the season. But they've had terrible starts to the season in recent years. I want to see if this team is, I don't know, a top four seed by the All-Star break. If they're a top four team and Zion stayed relatively healthy, then I can sit there and say, okay, this is a team that can make some noise. I'm not going to overreact to one, just one game because the association is a long season. But it's a great start. It shows the potential. It shows the promise that this Pelicans team possesses. This leads us to our poll question of the day. Does Zion's performance last night serve as any indication of his upcoming season? Right now, 67% of you say yes, 20% say no, 13% have chimed in and said, who cares, it's football season. As expected, Darren is one of the first to comment on a poll question about Zion Williamson. I'm getting close, getting very close to changing Darren's name. We have given him the nickname number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. I'm getting very close to calling him number one Zion hater of RP3 and company. His comment, as expected, it's one game. Jeremy Lin had a week of good games where he is. Where is he? TJ Warren had one a good one week with the Pacers. Quit forgetting that this is the first time playing in like almost two years that it's not normal. Don't set the bar too high, please. Did you really compare him to Jeremy Lin, Darren? I know you hate Zion, and it's a weird thing that you hate him so much. But you compared him to Jeremy Lin. Really, dude? Really? Really? Come on, man. Come on. That's your comp? Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity? For real, dude? Come on, man. You're better than that, D. I'm okay you being Zion hater, but you got to do a better job with the comps, man. We've seen Zion play extremely well and be dominant since he's been in the league. The problem is, is that he's never healthy. It ain't about talent. He's not limited. He's not TJ Warren or Jeremy Lin, D. He's not available. That's the biggest thing. He's never been available. It's not because he's some type of, you know, viral sensation. It's not because he's a made-up marketing ploy by an NBA team. He's actually a talented player who can play basketball really, really well. The problem is he's never healthy. 
Salty Steve says this guy is like Mike Thomas, big paycheck and can't stay healthy enough to play. Can he play enough games to see if he makes a difference? That's my question. I think he's more hype than help. His over-under games played this year is 41. Somebody's been checking with their friends in the desert when it comes to over-unders. <laughs> Just saying. Somebody's been checking on that. John Paul, Cajun Daddy says, that was a team effort, and he, he's been embraced by the team. They were by far the better team last night, and the NBA will make, wake up this morning to a new Pels reality. They blew out a team that was supposed to be better than. Ton on Twitter says, not necessarily, but I hope so. Pels look scary, really good. Ralph says, sure hope so. Seems like a great kid, and Ashley likes being there. What David Griffin has built through good drafting and smart trades is amazing considering the market size, and it seems they finally have a coach that meshes with the team. I think the coaching is more important than anything else. I think Willie Green and the guys buying into Willie happened last year. And you get a veteran like C.J. McCollum, and here's the thing about this. The young guys and the vets both have bought into what Willie Green has done. And as for Zion, he doesn't have to be the dude. He didn't even lead the team last night in scoring. That was B.I. You got Valis Yunus that's going to give you a double-double. You got B.I. who can lead the team in scoring. You got C.J. McCollum, who's your point guard, your leader. Zion doesn't have to be the number one option. Zion can just go out there and play basketball. That's the difference now. For the first time since he's been in the league, he can just be part of a team where he just gets to play basketball. He's not the dude. B.I.'s the leader. Him and McCullum are the leader of the teams. Zion's got help. He doesn't have to do it by himself. That's going to make a difference. But I'm like some of you. I have to see him be healthy. I need to see him play 50 games. Can he play 50 games in a regular season? That could be a game changer. Keep those votes coming. Hannah and I are going to decide if we're going to change Darren's nickname to number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company or number one Zion hater of RP3 and Company. We're going to have a conference about that throughout today's show. Darren, we'll let you know what we decide. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. <laughs> I'm just saying. My man hates Zion. It, it, he woke up. He sensed it. He sensed it. He's like, I know they're going to talk about Zion because he had a good game last night. How am I going to come out there and just hate, hate, hate as much as possible? We're going to keep the basketball talk going because the Sun Belt Conference held its media day this week. Raging Cajun men's basketball team picked to not only win their division, but win it all. Jordan Brown, preseason player of the year. Expectations are through the roof for Bob Marlin's team. We'll talk about that and hear from them coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. <clears throat> As you've heard me tell you before, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new grout-free shower line. That's right. No muss, no fuss, and guess what? In a couple years, you're not going to have to worry about the odor that comes with grout. Make sure to visit Chris and his team's website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Let's talk a little Raging Cajuns basketball. Expectations are through the roof for Bob Marlin's team. Likely going to be his last season at the helm of the program. He's got some stars back in the mix. Jordan Brown, Kobe Julian, others. They hit the transfer portal, recruited some kids as well. Expectations are so much that they have been predicted to not only win their division, but win the entire conference and go to the NCAA tournament. There you go. Those are expectations. Because the Sun Belt's likely only going to be a one-bid team. Jordan Brown's your Sun Belt Conference preseason player of the year. So expectations are really high for Bob Marlin's squad. They seem to be healthy. They seem to be ready. And can they handle the expectations? And Brown has been named the player of the year, the preseason player of the year as well. And this team took a trip, which I'm always a big fan of, when a basketball team takes an off-season trip where they go play competition. And the Cajuns did this. They went out and they went to Puerto Rico and played some members of their national team and some club teams down there. Got the experience of bonding together as a team for a road trip, but also got to play some competition. And anytime you have the chance to do that, it usually pays off for your team down the road. And Brown talked about just how important that trip to Puerto Rico was. I think it was really good, uh, not only being able to play against uh, well-organized teams who have already kind of been around each other for a while, but also just like bonding off the court, uh, being able to spend time with them. You know, we're over in... Puerto Rico and we get to kind of experience like it's, it's a first time experience for a lot of guys uh, I know it's still a U.S. territory but kind of taking like a trip like that uh, we were able to just grow closer as a team and having that early on I think it really uh, puts us ahead I totally agree with that I- I've seen this happen at LSU where they took uh, an offseason trip and ended up winning the SEC it helps. It, it just does because it's extra time with the co- the coach and the team. More importantly, the team, letting them have an opportunity to bond. Because wh- when you're part of a team sport and you go on a road trip or you go out of country for something, it, that's, that's a bond. You come together. 
that can only help, and especially with the veterans that this team has. It's a nice mixture. Going, taking that trip to Puerto Rico, playing that competition can only help this team as they look to live up to the expectations that are placed upon them. Now, Jordan was also asked, how good does he feel this team is for this season? I think I think it's really just depending on how you look at it. Uh, it can either really help you or really hurt you. You have to keep that same hunger because, you know, it puts a target on your back. Uh, being looked at early on as, like, one of the top teams. And uh, it really doesn't matter early on where you're at. It's about where you finish. So as long as you keep that hunger, uh, I think it can really help us. The fact that they have the mindset of we got to stay hungry, that's a good sign. And you're going to need the veterans to have that. Because he's asked how good does he think this team is, and he goes right into, hey, we got the bullseye on our back. we got to remain hungry. That's the mentality that you like to have when it comes to that, when it comes to that type of line of questioning. Bob Marlin's been doing this for a long time. Won a national championship in junior college in Pensacola. Went on to lead Sam Houston State to the NCAA tournament out of the Southland a few times. And he's led the Raging Cajuns to the NCAA tournament as well. He's been there a long time. He's won a ton of games. And he's seen a lot of great players come through his program as he's been in charge of the Raging Cajuns. And he talked about just how good Jordan Brown is and what he's really been working on to get even better. Well, we've got four starters back, and and we played two bigs last year. Jordan played the power forward for us. This year he's going to settle back in the center. He'll still drift out some and play away from the goal, but uh, it makes a, a huge difference having a guy that you know can go out and compete with anybody that we line up against. It doesn't matter if it's a power five or sunbelt opponent. So he, he's a gifted scorer, as you said. He's really worked on his defense. He's worked on his explosion, and I think he's primed to have a great year. And look, if they want to reach their expectation, which for Bob is winning the conference tournament and getting to the NCAA tournament, right? Jordan Brown's got to be the guy to set the table. There's other guys on this team that are really good. There's other guys that can provide not only points but leadership. But you're the guy. Like, you're the top dog. You got to be the one to take over. You got to be the one to set the tone and set the table, so to speak, every single day. I think Jordan's up to the task. Now, they do lose a couple of guys in particular down low that they would depend on game after game. Dugay wasn't a great scorer, but he hustled. He was a guy that gave you a lot of energy, and he was a good rebounder. Thea Okuba has transferred out. He entered into the NCAA transfer portal, former defensive player of the year for the conference, shot blocker. He's gone as well. So they missed some guys down low. And Marlon was asked, you know, what's the plan to replace that type of production down low, in particular when it comes to rebounding? I ask him first. He, he needs to get, get as many as he can. But uh, he, his goal is to lead a league. We've got some great post players in this league. So he'll have his work cut out for him. But we'll do it by committee. And there are a lot of three-point shots today in, the, in our game which creates long opportunities for rebounds. So it'll be done by committee. Rebounding something we put a lot of emphasis on, and uh, we brought in a couple of new guys that can really help in that area, uh, one of them being Terrence Lewis, 
uh, who's a senior grad transfer. So they knew they were going to lose Theo. Dugay graduated, right? Dugay had come back for another year last year. So they knew they were going to have to do that. And Bob's like, look, it's going to be kind of by committee here. We're not going to have one guy that's just going to dominate the boards like they had with Theo and, and Du. But he's also right that the game has kind of evolved to the point where because teams are jacking up so many threes, the ball literally bounces off the rim harder and with more force. So you don't have to be locked in right underneath the goal to get the rebounds. That's why you're seeing so many guards these days at any level of basketball, high school, college, or pro, getting a lot of rebounds because the ball's bouncing out toward them by the perimeter and they're getting the rebound that way. So, you know, the traditional guy underneath boxing out to get the board, That's that part of the game of basketball is kind of being faded a little bit, has been for more than a few years. So they'll do it by committee. Now, another guy that could be a huge contributor for them, we talked about Jordan Brown, but another guy that's been around the program for quite a long time is Kobe Julian. When he is healthy, he's a special talent. The problem with Kobe is that his high school career ended with injury. That's how he got to the Cajuns. And his entire career with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns has been marred by injuries over and over again. But he, when healthy, he can be a difference maker, and Bob talked about that. Well, he's an all-conference performer last year. We lost him in the last regular season game against Georgia State. He wasn't able to play in the tournament. Greg Williams stepped up and made all-tournament. Jalen Dalcourt stepped up and, and had a great tournament also. But Kobe, is a, he's an X-factor on this year's club, and we feel like he can really help us when we get to conference play. Uh, the young man's had two ACL surgeries, two patella surgeries, and uh, he's – locked in and, and ready for this last ride. Look, they did not have Kobe last year when they made the run in the conference tournament. Didn't have it. That's going to be the X factor. Bob's exactly right. He's not trying to mince words. He's not trying to make excuses. He's like, Kobe could be the X factor for us. You know what you're going to get out of Jordan? You're going to get a double-double. And the other guys will step up. But Kobe could be the difference between them winning the conference tournament and getting to the NCAAs and not. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update that poll question of the day and wrap up our number one here in RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Make sure to join yours truly and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, this Saturday from 11 to 1, because I'll be at Heritage Housing. They're in Jennings on 3350 North Frontage Road. Swing by and register to spin the prize wheel for a chance to score a pair of McNeese football tickets. I got multiple tickets to give away and more prizes. So make sure this Saturday, you come by, swing by Heritage Housing there in Jennings, located at 3350 North Frontage Road. See me, swing the prize, Will, so you can score some great stuff like Minis football tickets and so much more. Plus, you get to see me. I mean, why wouldn't you want to come? Honestly. 
I mean, I'm no Hannah Five names. I understand that. But I'm special too. No. Poll question of the day. Zion Williamson had himself a heck of a ball game. Now, does Zion's performance last night, nearly a double-double, does that serve as any indication of his upcoming season? Yes, no, or the wildly popular, who cares, it's football season. 63% of you say yes, 25% say no, 12% say who cares, it's football season. (laughs) keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day leave your comments on facebook and twitter just make sure you keep it clean for the kids still deciding if d is going to be now renamed from number one raging cajun fan of rp3 and company or if he's going to become now number one zion hater of rp3 and company Hannah Five Names is leaning towards Zion Hater. I I'm kind of am too. <laughs> kind of am too. Because any opportunity Darren has, we could be talking about green bean casserole and somehow, somehow Darren in the comment section is going to be like, man, Zion's trash. <laughs> Zion's trash like green bean casserole. That's how the conversation will happen. I feel like Zion Hater may be a better moniker for our guy Darren. Our number one is over. But not to fret, our number two is coming right up. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Astros are winners. Pelicans are winners. You're a winner. Hannah's a winner. I'm a winner. We're all winning. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch Third. Joining me inside the studios, of course, is the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We appreciate you making us part of your morning commute. Thank you for doing that. Make sure you get bundled up if you haven't hit the roads yet. Bring a sweater, bring a jacket, windbreaker, something. It's a little chilly outside today. Want to make sure you're prepared. One hour down, two more to go. What do we got coming up for you? Greatness. I mean, I'm just saying. Greatness. Lee Sterling will join us in half an hour from right now. Our friend from Paramount Sports, the sports betting expert of choice. We'll look ahead to this weekend slate of games for college and NFL and how you should put money on them that'll be coming up a half hour from right now coming up in about i don't know 15 or 20 so minutes from right now we're gonna be talking new orleans saints that's right we're gonna hear some from some players from some coaches as they gear up to take on the arizona cardinals tonight 
Thursday night football. You can listen to the Saints right here on the game. Kickoff 715, but we got something else in store for you. Not only are we going to have the Saints-Cardinals game for you tonight, you can listen to it live right here, but we have a special show this afternoon. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. That's right. The duo that you love is going to be out at Twin Peaks on Johnston Street. That's right. Going to get you geared up, ready to go for the Thursday night football game between the Saints and the Cardinals. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the Twin Peaks location on Johnson Street starting at 4 o'clock all the way up until 6. So come hang out with the fellas, enjoy the ice-cold beverages, the tasty burgers, the great appetizers tonight for Thursday night football, Saints, Cardinals. Get you ready with crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Go hang out with the fellas, go see them, and then watch the game afterwards. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Saints will be tonight, but last night it was the New Orleans Pelicans representing the Crescent City. Pelicans went on the road to open up the season, and they took on Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, and Mr. Prolific Scorer himself, the favorite LSU player of modern history, (laughs) Ben Simmons. 130 to 108, it wasn't even really that close. New Orleans came in there and punched Brooklyn in the mouth right off the bat, 32-14 in the first quarter, and never looked back. Brooklyn played better in the second quarter, but then New Orleans always kept their distance in the second half. Ball game. Zion was phenomenal, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals for the big fella. But here's the great thing about this year's Pelicans team and the potential, rather, of this year's Pelicans team. They got four other dudes that can score. That's what's different about this, is that the trade last year to get C.J. McCollum changed the makeup, the DNA of this team. McCollum is a dog. He's got no problems being the leader. He's got no problems barking orders. He's got no problems setting the tone, calming down his teammates. They didn't have that. Now they do. And you got a veteran like C.J. McCollum. You got Valachunas that can get you a double-double, do the dirty work for you down low. And you got B.I. who's growing into a leadership role and kind of being the face of the franchise. So that means that Zion doesn't have to be the lead dog. Doesn't have to do all the dirty work down low. He's really the third or fourth option. So that means he can just play basketball. There's no pressure. Right? And it also doesn't feel like there's a lot of pressure on Zion like it was when he was first drafted in the first couple years in the league which has been marred by injuries, right? The makeup of the team is different. They have a coach that kind of orchestrates things differently. So on any given night, Zion can go off, but guess what? Zion, the way they've constructed the roster, Zion doesn't have to be the guy. And I know what you're going to tell me. 
Well, isn't that why you drafted him number one overall? Yeah, you drafted him number one overall to be the face of the franchise. But if you want to have a better team and you want to have the type of team that can contend in the modern NBA, you need to have more than one guy. And this allows Zion just to go out there and just play basketball. You can get the veteran leadership from C.J. McCollum. You can get the guy doing the dirty work down low in the post with Valachunas. You can have somebody out there going to be a locked defender, Herb Jones. Guy's phenomenal on defense. Brandon Ingram is kind of your laid-back, cool cat that has no problem being the face of the franchise. So Zion can just go out there, smile real big, and just play hoops. Just hoop it up. And you got guys coming off the bench for Willie Green. By the way, everyone plays hard for him. That's something that we hadn't seen the last three years with the Pelicans until he came. We saw it. Willie gets those guys to play hard. They've bought into what Willie wants and what Willie demands. So you got a team that believes in their coach, that trusts their coach. Trey Murphy can come off the bench and be a scorer for you. I wouldn't let Devontae Graham touch the ball, reduce his minutes. They did. They only had 15 of it last night. (laughs) But I think this sets up. The big question mark is going to be, can Zion Williamson stay healthy? He has never been able to do it. Not in high school, not in college, not in the pros. So he's not going to play 82 games for you. Go ahead and get that out of your mind. Not going to happen. But what if Zion can play 60? They could make this team a top three seed in the Western Conference. They have the potential. Can they stay healthy? In particular, can Zion stay healthy? That's the big question mark for me. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Mr. Green. I would call him Jamie if it would have been earlier in the week because there was no school. But today, school's back in session in St. Landry Parish. Fall breaks over. So he goes from being Jamie back to Mr. Green. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing pretty good. How are y'all on this beautiful morning? We're doing tremendous. How about yourself, bud? Oh, man, it's just another glorious day. That's all I can say, right? Another glorious day. This man's saying glorious day. I love it. Love the positivity this morning. Oh, it's it's a it's it's the most wonderful time of year. You got playoff baseball, you got football, you got basketball starting up, and then of course hockey. So you got the four big big leagues going at the same time. It's it's a very small window that that happens. So I'm I'm just over the moon excited. I know you are, bud, and you're welcome for me giving you the opportunity to bring up hockey on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's, that's one of the reasons I love this show. It gives me that platform. Um, I wanted to go into the poll question today, and I wanted to ask you a, a question about the Astros, if I could. By all means, I was going to get to the Astros next, but let's do it. All right. So uh, for the poll question of the day, I'm going to say that uh, I, I hope that it is. You know, mo- I think most Pell fans would say that. You know, being a lifelong Pell fan for the last few years, um, I hope that it is. I, I, he just seems like a, a great kid. Well, I mean, he's not a kid anymore, but, you know, he just seems like a great guy. Um, doesn't take himself too seriously like a lot of the stars in the league do. And uh, I really want nothing but the best for him and hope for nothing but success for him. 
but man, he looked impressive. But the team as a whole, oh my goodness! And you know it's not playoff basketball yet because Ben Simmons was actually attempting shots. So um, he wasn't making that, them. He wasn't making them. But yeah, he int- he attempted them. Yeah, but you know you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take, oh, and in his case, is. you miss about 95 percent of the shots you do. Um, so I thought the game was was awesome, I, I, and I really hope that it's a sign of things to come. The Pels make a big run. Uh, they're scary, man. They just I agree with uh, with the Ton on on Twitter that says they're scary. I, I agree, they're, they're scary. Um, but Astros. So I, I, I was watching the game last night, and an interesting statistic popped up. They were saying that. Uh, like 85% of the Astros' runs have come from the long ball this postseason. So my question is this. Do you think the Astros can sustain success this postseason, or uh, do you think they might start to fade a little bit if they're having to rely only on the long ball? It's a good question. Jamie, I appreciate the phone call, brother. I'm going to answer it, and I hope you enjoy your day back at school. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Typically, teams that rely on the long ball like that to score runs fall short. They just do. Because you have a couple bad nights at the dish and then it's over, right? They're going to have to figure out a way. The only thing that helps the Astros in that regard is the fact that they have great pitching. So even if they can scrape together a run or two, that may be enough to win ballgames for them. It is surprising to me their dependency on the long ball. Now, they've only played four postseason games this postseason. So, right, only three against Seattle and then one against the Yankees. So it's a little, maybe a little too early to kind of jump to that kind of narrative that they're only depending on the long ball. It's only been four games that said you'd like to see them get extra base runners which is something they've struggled to do during the regular season as well so the way the lineup is you you don't get as many base runners as you'd like but what stands out to me from last night's win against the Yankees in game one of the American League Championship Series besides the fact that Verlander struck out 11 and looked like vintage Verlander which we hadn't seen in years. We're talking the type of Verlander that was there that helped the Astros win a World Series championship in 2017, the type of big-game postseason pitcher he was during that run. Striking out 11 in six innings where he only gave up one run, or the fact that the Yankees ended up striking out 17 times in this ballgame. Because once Verlander left, The Astros' bullpen said, not a problem. Let's just keep striking out people, including Ryan Presley, who struck out three to earn the save. What really stood out to me in this game was the fact that the guys you typically don't depend on to score runs stepped up. And this is what makes the Astros so dangerous. Because on a night when Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, and Kyle Tucker went a combined 0 for 12... They still won the game. They still won the game. Now, Pena, as I said before, was sensational. 
He was batting in the two-hole last night. He got himself three hits. But the rest of the guys struggled. Pena went three for four. But he was surrounded by guys who went over. Altuve 0 for 3, Alvarez 0 for 2, Bregman 0 for 3, Kyle Tucker 0 for 4. Four of your first five batters in the lineup didn't record a hit. And it didn't matter because Pena got three hits. Yuli Gurriel, who only hit eight home runs during the regular season, the guy who won the batting title a year ago, who has struggled all season long, all season long. He's been on the struggle bus. He's been driving the thing. He's had two post. He's had two home runs this postseason, including last night. Chaz McCormick got two hits and scored two runs. He's your eight hitter. Martin Maldonado, a liability at the plate, but they love him behind the plate because he catches. Nearly perfect. What does he do? Ah, RBI double. On a night where the Astros' best hitters went over, it didn't matter because the other guys picked up the slack and said, not an issue, we got this. The Astros have the pitching. I don't want to hear from Paul, who's texting me about the refs not calling a fair game. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear from Alabama fan or Yankee fan or Cowboy fan or any other of the dynasties in sports complaining about calls not going their way. I don't want to ever hear it. Yankees get more calls go their way than any other baseball team in the history of the sport. Alabama gets more calls their way than any college football team in the history of the sport. The Dallas Cowboys get more calls their way than any team in the NFL history. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear front runners and people that support front running teams complaining about calls. You can just stop texting me right now. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. I don't want you to call the show. I don't want to hear it on the show either. You're the New York freaking Yankees. Don't complain about calls not going your way. Man up and just admit that your team needed to do better. And that you need a better skipper, which I've been telling you about for two years now, that the Yankees' liability is their manager. And the way he managed that bullpen last night was Paul Bone. So focus more on that than you guys not getting calls. Well, the poor Yankees didn't get calls. Stop it. No one wants to hear that. I don't want to hear it from Yankee fan. I don't want to hear it from Cowboy fan. I don't want to hear it from Alabama fan. I don't want to hear it. And if I knew hockey more and understand who gets all the calls in hockey, I'd say it too, but I don't understand, so I'm not even going to try. Game two tonight at Minute Maid Ballpark. Yankees will try to even up the series. Fermer Valdez will take the bump for the Strohs. You can listen to it on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch will be 637. Game 2, ALCS, sister station, News Talk, 98.5 FM. That is our sister station. First pitch will be 637. Got to take a timeout. 
Come back here on RP3 and Company. We'll talk a little New Orleans Saints football. They'll gear up for the Arizona Cardinals tonight on Thursday Night Football. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. So sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if a contractor that you've hired or yourself, you're out there digging a hole, maybe to put in a new fence for maybe you're, you know, yet some new puppies or a pool or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. So what happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. There's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig and tell the operator your address. Someone's going to come out there and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, reminds you. Call 811 and know what's below before you dig. New Orleans Saints are going to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Thursday night football, that'll be tonight. You can listen to the game right here on the game. Once again, kickoff 715. We're going to have Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh broadcasting live from Twin Peaks from 4 to 6 to get you ready for the big game tonight. It feels like a must win for the Saints as they're on the short turnaround after playing on Sunday. But Arizona is also on the short turnaround as well. So it's not as if they're going to get an advantage there when it comes to rest. This team has struggled. The defense has struggled. They're supposed to be led by their defense. If you're a Saints fan, you were supposed to count on the defense and not have to worry about the defense. Because you had Cam Jordan back, and you're going to have year two of Peyton Turner, and you're going to have another year of Marcus Davenport, and David Onyemata was back. You Pete Werner was going to blossom at linebacker alongside Demario Davis. And on the back end, even though you lost Marcus Williams, who signed for a bazillion dollars to go be injured for the Baltimore Ravens, I'm embellishing a little bit, and Malcolm Jenkins retired, you brought home the honey badger, right? Tyron Matthew. Louisiana native, LSU star, Heisman finalist. You brought him. You got Marcus May from the Jets. Paulson Adebo was supposed to be really good in year number two. Well, not not as not not so much. Matthew's been a no show. Paulson Adebo has struggled. 
he has struggled. I'm trying to be nice. That's me saying his play has been him struggling. You watch the games. You know who they go and attack and who they pick on. The second-year cornerback. He's constantly out of position. Out of position. May has been banged up and he hasn't been great either. Marshawn Lattimore, even when healthy, hasn't been very good. The defensive line, with the exception of Cam Jordan, has been a no-show. Does David Onyemata, is he still on the team? Because I don't see him make plays. Supposed to be led by the defense. And they've committed a lot of mental errors on defense, stupid penalties. On offense, stupid penalties. Turnovers, they're one of the worst in the NFL. And Dennis Allen, the former defensive coordinator turned head football coach, talked about what their process is when it comes to fixing those mental miscues. Well, look, yeah, I mean, you got to put them through those situations, um, you know, and, and, and we, we keep trying to um, put them through those situations. We, we, we show them video, um, you know, we work on it in practice. Um, there, there's no magical formula other than making sure that we're locked in and focused when we're taking those reps in practice, and that's how you get, that's how you get better at it because, look, typically, um, you know, Penalties typically typically occur from, you know, sometimes a lack of focus, um, and sometimes they occur from, you know, poor technique. Those are generally the two reasons why those things happen. And so, um, you know, those are the things we focus on trying to work on. Focus on trying to work on. How about you just focus on working on them? Why is there even an attempting going on of working on them? These are the things I'm talking about. The things I hear and I go, uh, uh, sound a little too passive to me. Are you challenging your team? Are you challenging your team? I don't know if Dennis Allen's challenging his team. That's my big question as the season progresses. Is he challenging his guys? Because the way he talks in press conferences may be completely different than what he is behind the scenes. I'll fully admit to that. But I don't know if he's challenging his guys. Now, short week, and they have to play Kyler Murray. They could have someone to help them. Elante Taylor is the rookie out of Tennessee who they're really high on. He's versatile. He can play safety. He can play corner. They desperately need a spark back there on the back end of the defense. It looks like he's going to play tonight. Dennis Allen had this to say about his rookie sensation. Yeah, look, uh, you know, he's highly competitive. He's smart. Um, he's going to get up and challenge and compete. Um, you know, I think he's got 19 defensive snaps on the season. Um, he's a guy that we've been real excited about. Um, unfortunately, we haven't been able to have him healthy. So um, I'm excited for him to, you know, get back out there and get an opportunity to, uh, you know, compete, whether it be defensively or on special teams. They got to take on Kyler Murray, a guy that can hurt you with his legs. Saints have been struggling with that type of quarterback in the last couple years. Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, they kind of spring to mind. Kyler can do that even though he's wildly inconsistent as a quarterback overall. It's a short week, and you got to play Kyler. Cam Jordan, the veteran, the team captain, talked about only having a few days to prepare for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense. You know, this is like Friday, Saturday, so we're literally picking up 
to go to Arizona in 50, 50 minutes, uh, hour and 15 minutes. I mean, what we have to do is is focus in and hone in on, on our mission, and that's to uh, you know have gap integrity. That's to be aware of where the quarterback is. That is to uh, try and get after Kyler with and not let him escape the pocket, as he's been quite elusive this this uh, season already. Um, it's going to be our task to not let you know a quarterback escape for a touchdown. They just got to do better. They got to do a better job. Play to your potential. Play to the potential that you had. And I'm not talking about the offense. I'm talking about the defense. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Lee Sterling, our friend from Paramount Sports, is going to be joining us. Sports betting expert with more than three decades of experience. Going to look at the slate of college football and some NFL. That's all coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and Company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever? One of the more buzzed about sequels that are coming out this holiday season? Then text the word Panther to 337-283-8100. That's Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther. Wakanda Forever brought to you by The Game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Right now, it's time for us to welcome on our first guest on this chilly Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. He is the sports betting expert with more than three decades of experience under his belt. From Paramount Sports, our friend Lee Sterling joins us now. Lee, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm a lot better than Nick Saban is this morning. You know, he's not only got to deal with that loss, got to deal with the whole situation with the kid Burton. So, um, wouldn't wouldn't want to be Nick Saban today. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be him, but I really don't want to be any member of that secondary or special teams unit as well. No. I wouldn't want to bend them all week. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, one, one, of the, one of the greatest college football games I've seen. Oh, it was sensational. Years. It was absolutely yep. uh, sensational. And it yep. also just is a stark reminder of, for all of us that are older, that remembers when the SEC was dominated by defenses, that the mm-hmm. SEC in the last 10 years has become what the Big 12 used to be. So, right. Right. yeah, it just got to accept that. You know, you're not going to see. I will say this. Here's what's interesting. Go back and look at – the top teams, the teams that won the national title last ten years, they might have had a lot of offense, but usually they were top five in in defense, college football. So, um, offense 
exciting, gets you a lot of wins. Defenses still win you championships. Oh, I love, I love that, and you're making me hold out hope. But I sure, right. <laughs> I, I, I sure do see still a lot of Big Twelve offense now dominating college football. All right, but let's get to the slate of games for this weekend. Let's start off with a game that's going to be right here in our backyard. That's the Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on rival Arkansas State. The Red Wolves and Cajun series is a weird one. Crazy things happen in this series. And even when the Cajuns are really good and the Red Wolves are really bad, the game is still close, like last year's game up in Jonesboro. Cajuns got back on track with an impressive road win at Marshall to get back to 500. They can continue building some momentum here to get back to a bowl game with a win on Saturday against the Red Wolves. Six points is what the spread is in favor of the Cajuns. How do you like this game? So Butch Jones doing a nice job. Um, his team is competitive. They're in almost, it seems like, every single game. Uh, Quarterback-wise, James Blackman has, you know, been good except for, you know, the turnovers. And they're also penalty-laden. And, you know, somehow... <laughs> They don't have a whole lot of stats on offense, but they hang in games. Their running game, not very good. Also, a lot of negative yardage offensive plays. So um, sometimes it's very important, you know, if things don't go right, throw the ball away, uh, live to to play another day. But uh, Blackman will take some losses. They will get some take some penalties also for throwing the ball away and not reaching the line of scrimmage. And those kind of plays can hurt you. We're seeing this UL squad, they are really starting to play well and getting some quarterback play now. I know uh, it was a tight game and they lost 28-27 last year, but I I think their defense is the difference here. And I think they're going to come up with some key stops. And I think also Arkansas State's defense is going to get worn down. I'm going to go to the Raging Cajuns here, 30 to 20. I'm going to lay the six, six and a half. Cajuns are going to cover. I yep. like that. And I do agree with you. When I, I think Butch has done a nice job there. I just think the, the program's down and it's going to take a yep. little while. And for the Cajuns, they've gotten better. Like they looked better right. after looking awful against Rice. They looked a little bit better the next week against ULM. Really, three plays made the difference in that ball game for them to lose to the Warhawks. They looked a lot better against South Alabama, and then they looked better last week against Marshall. It seems like they're finally kind of figuring it out, which, hey, we're at the halfway point of the season. You kind of expect that, Lee, right? You expect yeah, with these a young teams. Quarterback, you know, new quarterback, um, new coaching staff, it takes a while. You know, it, it, unless they turn the ball over three or more times, I think that they're, they're the right side in this game. Let's go and talk about Alabama – bouncing back Nick Saban I think I saw the stat he never loses right after a loss in like the regular season like he loses and then the next week he comes back and bounces back and so many times the Tide suffer a loss in October and they still end up playing for a conference championship and getting to the college football playoff so it's not impossible for them Bryce Young was magnificent uh, but they needed him to be magnificent to 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 even have a chance in that game. The defense is porous. They're not as physical across the line of scrimmage. What do you make of them taking on a Mississippi State team that's starting to struggle a little bit? So I think Bryce Young is going to stay really strong. I mean, it looks like he, he had not lost anything off of his fastball. 
Here's the problem from Mississippi State. They can't push the ball down the field. Totally different type of passing attack that Tennessee possesses. And, um, you know, Hooker, you know, can, can fire the long ball. And this team just throws and dinks and dunks, and they're going to get a bunch of passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. And once they get into third and seven or longer, that's where Alabama's going to have the edge here. So practice probably has not been pretty for those DBs. Even the front seven, uh, they could have applied more pressure here. And um, then you'll see some breakdowns. Mississippi State does allow some big plays here, and that's where Bryce Young and his receivers and running backs, I think, will be the difference here. So uh, this is not the same Alabama team from a couple years ago, not even close, not even one of the better teams, but still good enough. They always handle They won 14 straight against Mississippi State here, and Mike Leach, uh, uh, all three against the Leaches here have not been close here. I, I like Alabama. They win this game 45-17. I love the confidence, but they had won 15 straight against Tennessee too. So yep, right. I just, I just, I, it just feels like for me, Lee. Last year he had this first assistant beat him in Jimbo. Then they lost the championship game and got yep. curb stomped in it. They were vulnerable last year. They're vulnerable again this year. I, I, I don't know. I, I think the rest here's of the what league I'm is. Hoping, here's what I'm hoping for. Right, I'm hoping they win big and then I can fade them. Uh, a lot down the stretch because they're not that good. But sometimes it's a it's about a matchup. And mm-hmm. I think this matchup, the way the Mississippi State offense and defense is structured, just doesn't match up well against Alabama. I like that. I like that. All right. So you like and uh, you like Bama to cover the twenty one point spread. Yep. I think they won by twenty eight. Let's go to LSU Ole Miss because this the betting line is intriguing to me. Ole Miss comes in ranked in the top ten, undefeated. Now they haven't had great quarterback play. Darts is, you know, kind of inconsistent. You can tell he's young. But Lane Kiffin's figured out a way to run the football. And also Lane Kiffin's figured out a way to play defense, which is stunning at Ole Miss. They began as what, like a two-point favorite in this game. But the line has shifted all the way to LSU being a one-point or one-point-and-a-half home favorite coming off the road win against Florida. I saw LSU get curb stomped by Tennessee. I see them go on the road and beat Florida and hang on to beat Florida. I know Ole Miss hasn't played a ton of people, Lee. I get that. They do have a good win against Kentucky. Uh, I feel like this is a coin flip game, but I am surprised by the line moving. Okay, so here's something (laughs) that I've learned over the years. In fact, over the last decade, team that is unranked, favored against a top 25 team, you play the unranked favorite team, you're going to cover over 60% of the time. They're, they're sending you a message here. Started Ole Miss as the favorite, and LSU's gaining confidence. Uh, so, yeah, they lost to Florida State, but new coaching staff. And then they had a just a stinker against Tennessee. You know, fumble the opening kickoff. I mean, set the, the tone there, and then – what do they do? Then they allow the 58-yard punt return. They go for it two times in a row on fourth down. That doesn't work out, and they're down 20 nothing. But I like the way they came back against Florida. They dominated that game. Jaden Daniels bounced back. Uh, he had 349 yards passing last week. Wasn't just looking to run uh, three touchdowns, but when he ran, 44 touchdowns. He 44 yards, he was effective with three touchdowns rushing also, I think the Ole Miss defense is starting to show some cracks the last couple of weeks against Vanderbilt 
and Auburn, giving up 28 and 34 points. And I just think the LSU offense with top-level wide receivers, bad matchup for him, them. They even showed some cracks three weeks ago against Kentucky. Kentucky just shot themselves in the foot in the red zone. They also missed a couple field goals, a couple extra points. I mean, it got out of control. They should have scored 30-plus points in that game. And here's something interesting. Lane Kiffin even used an onside kick with the lead in the third quarter last week to steal a possession just to keep his defense off the field. I'm going to go with Coach Brian Kelly here, who didn't panic after losing to Florida State opening week or Tennessee two weeks ago here. LSU's the right side, 35-27. Ooh, 35-27. Yep. I yep. like that full touchdown by ooh, yep. Lee Sterling giving us the good stuff here on this RP3 and Company Thursday edition. All right, bud, let's switch over to the pros. Let's switch over to the NFL. Bengals, look, the Saints opened up the door for them and let them walk through, and they just kind of, you know, you know, melted in the last four minutes of that game and let the Bengals come back and beat them. Cincy, though, still not quite right. I know they've won three in a row, but I, I watched them play, and there's just something off about them. I, I still think they're a work in progress there this season in particular. They have to take on the Atlanta Falcons, who are a rebuild mode, but are surprisingly three and three. Six-point favorite is the Bengals. They're at home. You like that? Cincinnati hasn't looked like the team that went to the Super Bowl in any of the six games. So if you're just playing them based on due to all of a sudden look right, that might be a problem here. Offensive line, not much better at all. In fact, might even be worse. They've already allowed 22 sacks, second most in the NFL. Uh, their run defense ranks 21st, so that's a problem here. Uh, you know, Atlanta's surprise of the year. I mean, three and three, you're like going, wow, what kind of surprise is that? Most people pegged them from like one and five at this point. In fact, all three of their losses by a total of 11 points. They're the third right now, uh, ranked third in the NFL in rushing. Why? Uh, offensive lines improve, and Marcus Mariota, they run that read option. He has 206 rushing yards and three touchdowns. And Second-year tight end Kyle Pitt, almost unguardable. Uh, rookie wide receiver Drake Ludden, uh, he is really progressing. He's a threat here. Uh, Cincinnati lost all three games via field goal on the final play of the game. They're not blowing anyone out. The only reason they beat Miami uh, by more than a touchdown was Miami lost two in that game. So uh, I'm going to say they escape. Again, 27-24. I like Atlanta here, plus the six. All right, bud, let's quickly yep. get to tonight's yep. game, Thursday night football. Saints at the Cardinals. Both teams could use a win. As I've stated m numerous times this week, if you look at the NFC South, NFC West, and NFC North, all three of those divisions, there's only one team with a winning record, and that's Minnesota. That is unbelievable right. to me as we're six weeks into the season. Both of these teams could use a win in a big way. Cardinals get DeAndre Hopkins back tonight. They're a two-point favorite. Do you like that? I think that I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a little rusty. We saw plenty of games last year, a lot of drops. So they already lost Hollywood Brown, so kind of offsets uh, one. They even pick up Robbie Anderson. Are you kidding me? I don't think that's going to help them much here. Here's the main problem. Kyler Murray just can't read defenses here. So uh, until they fix that, they've got some real problems. And New Orleans, they were right there. Should have won the game last week. They do one thing really well. They run the football. 228 yards last week. One play. Cost them the game here. Wrong team favorite. I'm going to go with the Saints outright 
like that. All right, bud, give yep. us your your pick of the week, the game of the week for you. Yep, uh, Clemson, Syracuse. Um, I think a bunch of people thought Clemson might be undefeated this time, but no one thought Syracuse would be undefeated. Clemson's at home lane 13 and a half. You want to get that game? Just call 800-400-9741. We'll give you the game for free. 800-400-9741 to get Clemson-Syracuse on me. Last week we hit both of our 45-unit max wagers, Air Force and college football, Buffalo and the NFL. We're now 53-18 and 18 on these 40-50-unit to 50 unit best bets. You want to come on board. How about this? Baker's Dozen, 13 games, just $97 combined Saturday and Sunday, 8 on Saturday, five games on Sunday, or October continues. Every other sport also. We're already winning in the hockey right now. We're 15-5 and five in the hockey start the season. Major League Baseball playoffs, we're 12-8 and eight there. Uh, NBA, 2-1 and one to start the season. Even the UFC card on Saturday morning. Check it out. We're winning in every single sport. Love to have you come on board. One place, ParamountSports.com. Lee, appreciate your time, brother. Enjoy your weekend, my friend. You too. Take care. We got to take a timeout, wrap up hour number two. You're listening to The Game, South Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. Zion had himself a heck of a ball game last night. Nearly a double-double. Does his performance last night serve as any indication of what he's going to be able to do this upcoming season. 68% of you say yes. 22% say no. 10% of you say, who cares? It's football season. I love the saltiness. I do love the saltiness. Shout out to Jamie letting me know with the direct messages that, in fact, if I want to make the comparison of fans of Cowboys and the Yankees and Alabama complaining about not getting calls, the hockey version would be the Rangers or the Maple Leafs. So, thank you. Maple Leafs are in Toronto, by the way. I've been to Toronto. I've been to the Hockey Hall of Fame, by the way. I'll have to tell that story one day. I It was a very enjoyable time. So, there you go. I don't want to hear any about complaining about calls. No call complaining here. Not going to have it. Especially if you're a fan of one of those national dynasty teams. Hour number two is done. Hour number three is going to be amazing. We'll kick it off with Les East talking Saints Pels. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The third and final hour of today's show has arrived. It's going to be a good one as well. Alex Clancy is going to be joining us from the Locked On Cardinals podcast. It's going to come up in a half hour from right now as we'll give you some more insight on what to expect from the team that the Saints are taking on tonight on Thursday night football. It's an interesting day because here's something about it. So much is going on. Today, this is courtesy of Field Yates. Today marks only the 26th sports 
equinox ever, as there will be an NFL, a Major League Baseball, an NBA, and NHL game all played on the same day. That's only happened 25 other times. Saints at Cardinals tonight, which, of course, you can listen to live right here on the game. Kickoff 7-15. Yankees at Astros, game two of the ALCS, which you can listen to our sister station, News Talk, 98.5 FM, first pitch, 637. You have the Bucks at 76ers, Clippers at Lakers, and a dozen games on the ice. Plus college football, MLS, playoffs, and more. Oh, man, there's a ton to get to. And we're going to tackle some of that right now with our next guest. He covers the New Orleans Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints for CrescentCitySports.com. He also covers college football for Saturday Down South. Our friend Les East joins us now. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing great, but it's going to be a busy day. So let's go back to last night for the Pelicans season opener on the road against Brooklyn. We can focus in on Zion, and we'll talk about him. But when I see this team play like they did last night, I see the potential. I see the potential of a top three seed in the West. And the reason why I see that is because everyone seems bought in. And Zion himself does not have to be the guy. You have the veteran leader in C.J. McCollum who sets the tone at point guard. You have the guy that does the dirty work down low with Valachunas. You have Brandon Ingram who's okay being a leader and the focal point as well. It just seems like to me Willie Green and David Griffin have constructed something that's just going to allow Zion just to go out there and play basketball and not worry about anything else. And I think it's going to work. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the real keys to this uh, team's potential success is the uh, the versatility and the depth of the roster. And that Zion Williamson is a very important part of it, but he is just a part of it. He and Brandon Ingram are, are 1A and 1B, and, and I guess C.J. McCollum would be 1C because they're all <laughs> – uh, outstanding players, and they, they seem to be fitting together well. Last night was our first real opportunity to see them uh, on the court together, and uh, it looks like they, they have an idea of uh, how they're all going to be able to play together. And they also have a lot of depth when they go uh, to their bench. I think they're unusually deep compared to other teams in the NBA. So they have a, a deep roster, they have a versatile roster, and I think the players try trust Willie Green uh, to make it all fit together and to uh, give them all an opportunity to succeed. And so it, it just looks like they have everything that they they need to be successful. It's only one game, but last night demonstrated the most optimistic hopes that, that people had about this team. So now we have uh, uh, some the first real evidence that they can do what everybody is hoping they're going to be able to do. My big question mark for this team entering the season was not how they're going to play together from the guys that were left over from last year. It was how they were going to incorporate Zion. And I know it's only one game, but that seems to be not really an issue. I, and I think part of that for me, Les, is Zion is not – he's not the alpha personality, right? So 
he's not going to be the guy that's going to be demanding the ball, that's going to want to take over games. He's very much still kind of a kid that just wants to play team basketball. I, I, I really believe that. And if that's the case, then my worries about incorporating him into what Willie Green wants to do offensively and defensively, by the way, Zion had four steals last night. I, I, I'm not as worried about that if that's going to be the case. You know, I agree. I, I think he's he's comfortable um, being, you know, uh, one of the players surrounded by more experienced players, primarily McCollum and Ingram, and, and finding his role there. I do think he's still, certainly when he feels it, he's capable of just taking over the game down the stretch or, or at any point if he feels the need and he has the matchup to do it. I think you're right. He's not going to be the guy sitting there demanding the ball, but I, I think that's going to be uh, a big part of C.J. McCollum's role is figuring out who's the guy who's going to be the alpha at any given point in the game. It can certainly be Ingram, and it can certainly be Williamson, and it can be McCollum himself at times, but the 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 beauty of it is that they're all facilitators. They can uh, score with the ball, and they can create for teammates, and they're willing to do that. I think um, Ingram had five assists last night, I believe, and we saw in the playoffs last year that he was getting his teammates involved even as he was dominating games with the scoring. So uh, I just think that the unselfishness, and the versatility of those key players is uh, remarkable. And I think that it's as much a mental thing as a physical thing. And I believe they've all bought into uh, being subservient to teammates when necessary. And I think a lot of that credit goes to Willie Green. How many games does Zion need to play this season? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't think he needs to play 82. I don't think he will play 82. But how many games should he? Uh, does he need to be able to play for this team to be a top three, top four seed in the West? Is it sixty or is it more? Oh, I don't know. I would think it, you know, at least sixty, possibly more. I would depend, I guess, on how much uh, time other people might miss. But you know, I think this is a team that can get. Um, to the top three or four spots in the West without having to lean on him every single night or out having to have him every single night. So, it, I mean, if he could play, you know, 60 games, that's uh, three-quarters of the season, that would be uh, a huge improvement over what we've seen in the past. We've also seen how good this team can be without him. So, you know, I, you know, you just try and keep him as healthy, healthy as you can and, Hopefully the games add up over the course of the season because the wins are certainly going to add up as long as this team stays healthy. We're talking with Les East of CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's shift gears to the New Orleans Saints. I, I, you're winning the game. You're controlling the game. And then you open up the door to let Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase walk through. Bad offensive play calling. They're late in the last five minutes. Got the punter shanking punts. And then you got your defense that doesn't know how to tackle. Uh, and tackling's been an issue for them all season long. What stood out to you more than anything now that a few days have passed from the saints Bengals game? Well, I wrote about this at CrescentCitySports.com. It was, it was very simple. They, they had a very good plan for how to beat the Bengals, but two things prevented them from doing it. 
well enough to win, and that was the red zone failures on offense, and that was the bad tackling on defense. They were they wanted to control the clock, keep the ball away from Joe Burrow. They won time of possession, but when they got into the red zone, they couldn't finish it off and get touchdowns, and they kept kicking field goals, and you just knew if they kept trading seven to three that Joe Burrow was going to make them pay for that eventually. And then on defense, they wanted to take away the big play, keep the ball in front of them, which was the right approach. The problem is the missed tackles turned short games into medium games, and they turned medium games into gains into big gains, including the 60-yarder at the end by Chase that won it. So uh, it was, you know, everything was there for them to win, except they didn't put the ball in the end zone on offense, they didn't tackle on defense, and so they lost. Do you think this team has the capabilities of dusting themselves off and getting themselves off the mat? Because the... NFC is wide open. You have three divisions combined have one winning team, right? So, and the the Bucks look to be kind of trash. So you still have a chance to win your division. You have to go seven and four more than likely in the last eleven to do so. But it's still there. Do you have confidence though that the Saints can do that? Less as it stands right now, six games in. Well, I, I think they're capable of winning the division. I think at this point probably anybody except maybe Carolina is capable of winning the division, and even Carolina mathematically is in position to possibly do that. But, you know, since 2017, we've seen almost every year the Saints at some point have gone on a five, six, eight, nine game winning streak because they were that good. And I don't think – I have no confidence whatsoever that this team is going to do that. But I do think they're capable of winning two out of three, three out of four, or five out of eight, and, and getting in position to win nine games and steal the division title if nobody else is any better. Uh, but I think that's kind of their ceiling at this point is to sneak into the playoffs by winning a bad division, by, by getting to nine, maybe ten wins if they got some breaks. But I think nine would be more likely. And that might not be enough. Tom Brady might be able to will the, the Bucks to ten wins, and they already have a leg up in the tiebreaker. So I, I don't think they're going to go on any great run. I do think they have a chance uh, to get to a winning record and that the division is bad enough that they could possibly uh, win it in spite of themselves. What's the thing that surprises you more than anything about this year's team that you did not think was going to be an issue? Is it the turnovers? Is it the defense not being dominant? Is it the missed tackling? Uh, What is it? I think overall it's that the defense has not played better, and that's uh, not having enough takeaways, although that's something that can change at any time. They could – they could get three takeaways tonight, and then those things seem to come in bunches. But to this point, they have not generated takeaways. They've had some tackling issues, especially last week, and the defensive front has not played consistently well. You know, on offense, it's hard to gauge the, the shortcomings because of all the injuries they've had to deal with. You know, the left side of the offensive line, the quarterbacks are the receivers. So that one's a little harder to put your fingers on. But defense has not had nearly as many injuries. It should be the strength of this team, and it hasn't been. And I guess the 
the optimistic part of that, if you're a Saints fan, would be that the players are still there, the coaches are still there that have had success. That should be a better defense than it has been to this point, and it has been good uh, for for quarters and halves at a time. So I think that they're capable of still becoming the defense we thought they were going to be, but the defense they have been overall to this point I think is the biggest surprise to me. All right, brother, let's look at tonight's game. That is Cardinals-Saints. Arizona struggling as well. Kyler Murley has struggled this year, but he is one of those dual-threat quarterbacks, which tends in recent years to give the Saints issues. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts, I think Baker Mayfield springs to mind. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? What's the biggest challenge facing the Saints tonight? Well, I think it's going to be the, uh, the the passing game of the Cardinals. Certainly, Kyle O'Malley's ability to run is going to be a concern, but it may be the only running game that the Cardinals have. They've not run the ball well. They have both, both James Conner. I think Darrell Williams uh, mispracticed fully. Uh, I don't think he participated at all yesterday. I think James Conner was limited. So the, the running back situation is uh, limited. So Murray, I think, is going to have to be the guy to generate most of the running game. But they're getting DeAndre Hopkins back. Um, and uh, Marshawn Lattimore is not going to play. So I think the the passing game, uh, you know, the Saints gave up explosive plays two weeks ago. They didn't tackle well uh, last week. If either of those things happen with the Cardinals receivers uh, or with Murray scrambling, that's going to be a problem. So uh, I, I think slowing down the Cardinals' passing attack is the first thing they need to do. But they also... I think they need to win the turnover battle. They didn't turn it over last week on offense, which was helpful, but they, they got to get uh, more takeaways in this game. If they can slow down DeAndre Hopkins and, uh, and, and win the turnover battle, I think they'll be okay. But this is also a team that's going to challenge them in space in the passing game like the Bengals did. So if they don't tackle better than they did last week, they're going to have the same problems they had with the Bengals. Paulson Adebo has struggled. Rad Roby has struggled as well. Those two guys are going to have to play a better game, and so is Tyron Matthew tonight, right, Les? I mean, there's no there's no bones about it. Yeah, those, those guys are all going to have to play better. Adebo, I think, played a little better last week than he did against Seattle, but the, the tackling was bad for everybody. Roby, uh, especially, he and Matthew both missed uh, Jamar Chase on the, the biggest play of the game. It looks like they may get uh, Alante Taylor back, the rookie from Tennessee, who's looked pretty good when he's been healthy. So uh, that doesn't replace Marshawn Lattimore by any means, but it would be another uh, person to put back there who uh, is a physical player. That that could be helpful, getting him back. But, uh, you know, the the Cardinals are looking at film. They're going to target Debo and they're going to target Roby, and they're going to test whether or not those guys are able to cover and whether they're able to tackle. One more for you, Les, before we let you go. How's the quarterback situation going to pan out tonight in the desert? You know, that's weird. If I were going to predict, I would say that it will be Andy Dalton, but they do not have a status designation for Jameis Winston. He was limited in practice yesterday. 
the last few weeks they have said Dalton would start. They did not say this, but Dalton was the guy who showed up for the news conference yesterday. Jameis Winston did not. So all the indications are that Dalton will start, but there's a little voice in the back of my mind that says, don't be surprised if Jameis Winston's out there. Les, appreciate your time. As always, brother, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks, Raymond. we got to take a timeout. When we return, it'll be time for Giddy Up with Gary Golf. That's right, McNeese football conversation coming up right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. <laughs> We're roping in McNeese head football coach Gary Goff here on RP3 and Company to talk cowboy football. It's time for Giddy Up with Gary Goff. Coach Gary Goff is in his first season with the McNeese Cowboys. He's trying to establish a new culture, and you can see it. You can see it when this team practices. You can see it during games. They're more organized they're more focused the problem for McNeese in no simple terms is that they don't have the talent on the roster to go toe-to-toe with most teams they just don't not yet he had to get more than 50 players on the roster since he took over the job man more than 50 lots of young guys out there lots of young bucks and it showed I was there against Texas A&M Commerce, they're in the hole. Good crowd, good energy. And McNeese, despite being a one-win team, they hung tough. They actually led for a good portion of the first half, and they were only down by two points at halftime. But then the second half came, and the visiting Lions ran away with it, and Cowboys had no answers. Had no answers. Golf met with the media earlier this week following a practice. They're gearing up for a road trip to home of Thibodeau to take on the Nichols Colonels, who are also 1-5 on the season. They're having a very disappointing season. They were predicted by many to win the conference. And look, Gary Goff's not going to make any excuses. He isn't. But they, during the bye week, decided to put guys in different spots to see if he could create a spark. So there's a lot of young guys. I'm talking true freshmen, 17, 18-year-olds out there that are lining up and learning new positions on the fly to see if it gives them a spark, to see if it helps them put more talented guys in different position groups. And Golf talked about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought we did good on that in the second quarter. You know, we, we were having tempo. They couldn't sub those guys, and, and we went, you know, I think that, that drive was 80-plus yards. Yeah. You know, and then the second half, we did sustain drives and got behind the chains. And, yeah, they are able to, you know, sub in and out when we're not playing fast. And, um yeah, you know, again, it's a combination of everything um, and not one position. Um, you know, we didn't play well on the offensive side of the ball and we didn't play well on the defensive side of the ball and we didn't play well on special teams. And um, there's a lot of new people playing new positions on special teams because of some of the uh, change. But um, still, I, I'm not letting the guys make any excuses for that. They, they, they practice hard all week. They know their assignments. They got to execute come game time. And look. He's not going to make excuses, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Coach Golf either. But when you have that many new players, young players on there, team chemistry is big too. So you still got guys that are leftovers from Frank Wilson seasons, right? They're looking to to walk out the door. Their football careers are wrapping up. You got young guys trying to 
incorporate. The first year is always the toughest. It's the transition year. It's always the most difficult. And golf talked about, look, they don't have the numbers that they need to have in a lot of these position groups, but he understands and accepts that this is a process and one that's going to take a while. Yeah, I mean, really everybody we've played the last several weeks have been a little bit deeper at most positions and definitely are senior-heavy programs. Yeah. Um, and we're not senior-heavy right now. But, um, yeah, no excuses. Next man up's got to play play better. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's just where we're at right now as a program. You know, so I, I do believe we'll be fine. I know we'll be fine. But um, this is a process that we're going through. And, um, you know, we, we got to get out of it. we got to learn from it. Um, there, there was some positive. We had some true freshmen play for the first time. Um, and we'll have them start next week. Uh, so, you know, they, and they played a good game. And, and um, you know, speaking directly, Crajon Bennett, you know, he had a really good game to be his first time uh, start. We didn't start, but first time playing that many snaps. So, um, you know, we're learning. We're learning as we go. And, yeah, I don't enjoy the process right now, but it, it is where we're at. You know, it did seem like they kind of got tired late in the second half, in particular against A&M Commerce. That's because A&M Commerce ran so many more plays in the second half. McNeese's offense wasn't able to sustain drives, and, you know, the defense got a little worn out. And uh, Golf was asked about, you know, did he feel fatigued played a factor in how the defense played, especially in the second half on Saturday? To be honest, I think down the stretch right there, uh, again, they made some plays and we didn't, and I think we kind of paid attention to the scoreboard uh, and was worried about that more than just line up and playing hard play after play. Um, and, and that kind of showed a little bit. But, um, no, I, I mean, I, I don't think they were any more fatigued than, than offense. Something I did notice in this game and I think could be what McNeese sees moving forward. McNeese can run the football. That's what they're the best at. The passing game is not there. They're not consistent enough. They're not dynamic enough. They don't have guys that can stretch the field, and they don't have enough time to get the ball in those playmakers' hands to stretch the field. So they're somewhat one-dimensional when it comes to their offense, and I did notice that they loaded up the box, A&M Commerce did, in that game to shut them down and make them one-dimensional. Coach Golf was asked, does he expect to see that now moving forward on the back half of the season? I mean, probably. Um, everybody knows that you know we're, we uh, are doing a good job running the football, and they know we've missed some opportunities down the field. So, um, yeah, we, 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 we're smart enough to know people are going to try to load the box from here on out. But we got to have answers, and uh, that's what we're working on um, every day at practice is having those answers if they do this. Um, and, and I think that's an advantage you have when you have so many game films on your opponents at this point of the season is you can kind of see how they've tried to load the box and what type of blitzes they bring in. For McNeese, they've played good quarters. They did so on Saturday. They played a good first half. They haven't played a complete game. They've even had games where they played good three quarters of football. They've yet to play a complete game from start to finish. And golf brought that point home again. It's all about finishing the game. You know, uh, we talked about that again today. You know, we, we played uh, three quarters of good football the last couple of games and uh, just haven't finished. Uh, and that's our opponent, giving them credit. They're, they, they're making critical plays down the stretch, and, and we haven't been. Uh, so it gets back to execution and, and uh, making some critical plays. They're going to try to do that Saturday down in home of Thibodeau, taking on Nichols Colonels, a pair of one and five teams battling it out in Southland Conference play this Saturday. Hey, just a reminder, it's time to cook up some gumbo for a very good cause. The Realtor Association of Acadiana is hosting its annual gumbo kickoff at Park International 
on Wednesday, October the 26th from 5 to 7 o'clock. That's next Wednesday. The family-friendly event features a Halloween costume contest, music by the Rouge Crew, and, of course, great gumbo from 26 teams of area realtors who are competing to earn the title of Best Gumbo. Tickets cost $10 and can be purchased with cash only at the event. And here's the great thing about this. All proceeds benefit three different local charities, Maddie's Footprints, Habitat for Humanity, and Lane's Legacy. So you go, you're going to have a good time, you're going to taste some delicious gumbo, going to dress up for Halloween, dance, and oh, by the way, the money's going to go to three, three local charities here in Acadiana. So come out, eat some gumbo, help out local charities, and have some Halloween fun with the Realtor Association of Acadiana's annual gumbo cook-off on Wednesday. we got to take a time out when we return here. Oh, man, we're going to talk to Alex Clancy. He's the man behind the Locked on Cardinals podcast. Going to find out more about Arizona. That's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues, fellas. Look, I know Halloween candy costs a ton. I know we got Thanksgiving right after that and then Christmas. Money's tight these days, gas prices and whatnot. But look, let us at the game help you. You still need to take care of your lady. You still need to go show her a good time. And you can do that essentially for free. Go become a member of our rewards club today. You'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes to help with those date night blues. We got a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in Cypress Bayou. Phenomenal steaks cooked to perfection. Tremendous sides, the whole nine yards. You're going to want that. Your lady's going to enjoy that. We also have a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Fresh Gulf Seafood ready, waiting for you. And you know what? Even something a little bit more casual, like Mabel's Kitchen. We got a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's as well. You can score all of those, but only if you become a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. It's free. It's simple. And that way, we can help you with your date night blues. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Zion looked great last night. The Pelicans won big over Brooklyn. Do you believe you can see Zion play that way the rest of the season? Is last night's game an indicator of what's to come this year for the Pels and Zion Williamson? Go leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll finalize that before we sign off on today's show. But right now, it's time for us to talk about tonight's game, Thursday Night Football. You can listen to it right here on the game. You're home for the NFL in Acadiana and in southwest Louisiana. Saints desperately need a win. Cardinals, they need one as well. They just lost to the Seahawks. Two teams struggling to kind of find themselves. To give us the perspective from the Arizona Cardinals is the man who hosts the Locked On Cardinals podcast for the Locked On Network. Alex Clancy joins us now. Alex, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you making the time, man. So let's start off with this team because I look at this team, I see talent. I see guys that are impact players, but I see a team that's also struggling. What ails the Cardinals to this point in the season? Fantastic questions. When you find it out, let me know. Um, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the thing is, like, 
you know when there's a problem that can't be solved? The most frustrating part is not being able to find the root of what's wrong. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at here. It could potentially be a loss in translation between Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is kind of plateaued in his fourth year. The defense is playing out of their mind compared to what they look like on paper. And the offense just isn't getting it done. I mean, they haven't scored a first quarter. Well, they scored a few. They kicked the field goal last week for their first three points in the first quarter all year. And those are the plays that are scripted by the offensive play caller who happens to be the head coach. You make your own deductions from that. I've always said this about Kingsbury. I was surprised that he got the job. And and and, and the reason why is he didn't do a very good job at Texas Tech in college, right? And he's in the Big 12. And he's got Patrick Mahomes, and he's got other talented guys. Mike Leach won there and won big there. But Kingsbury wasn't able to. And his team's always faded down the stretch in college. And sure enough, his teams there in Arizona have done the same exact thing where they fade down the stretch as well. It happens once or twice for me. Alex, that's just a coincidence, right? But it happens every single year of his head coaching career. There's got to be something to that. Yeah, you know, you could blame, and and you know, the the Cliff Kingsbury backers and truthers will will blame. Well, you know, you can't recruit a defense in the Big Twelve back then. So he put up the points, but the defense wasn't there. So sure, if you want to give him that, that's fine. He didn't even think he was going to get an NFL job. He took the USC OC job, and then and Steve Cobb calls him, and he's like, oh. You know who I am? Sweet. Let's do this. So, I mean, you can give him credit for the win total from 5 to 8 to 11, I guess. Um, I'm in the camp. Uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little tough on Cliff. You know, he's a nice guy. You know, it's never direct attack at the person whatsoever. It's the avatar of the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I think that, especially when you look at Vance Joseph on the defensive side of the ball, elevating the talent that he has to coach, Cliff Kingsbury goes as his players' talents go, and he doesn't elevate the talent like a good head coach in the NFL does. I say that Cliff King, Kyler Murray wins in spite of Cliff Kingsbury, not because of him. I'm glad you brought up Kyler. Is he closer to being Lamar Jackson, or is he closer to being Baker Mayfield? Oh, how dare you, sir. It's 6.15 in the morning. <laughs> no, um, I think, you know, I, I it's, it's not the latter. Kyler Murray is... You can't, and I implore people not to really compare him to anybody. Nobody's him. Like you can't say it like it's not like saying you're, you know, your mom's saying that you're special. Like nobody's like Kyler Murray. And I compare him more to Josh Allen than Ooh. I do to anybody else because Josh Allen struggled in his first two years. He was like Eli Manning turning the ball over like crazy, and then something clicked. Brian Dable came in. He hired Jordan Palmer, and then the rest is history. Kyler Murray was better than Josh Allen in his first two years. Last year, he was an MVP candidate through eight or nine or ten weeks, and then now he's kind of plateaued. Um, I I put this on like the, if we're going to do blame pie, I put it, you know, thirty five percent on Kyler, forty percent or forty five percent on Cliff, and twenty percent on Steve Kime for not building an offensive line that's set to be the iron roadblock between defensive linemen and Kyler Murray. If Kyler and Cliff aren't on the same page and there's some type of breakdown there, because it does appear to be, I don't know, their relationship is weird. It doesn't have to be all, you know, unicorns and, you know, gummy bears or whatever. It doesn't have to be kumbaya, but you have to be on the same page. And it does seem like they're not on the same page, yet the front office and ownership 
is committed with contracts to both of them. So they're going to have to figure this out, right? There, there's no alternative of saying, well, we're going to you know, step away from one of them. They're committed and a lot of money to both of those guys. Yeah. Um, the, the, the contract part, yes. Agreed. And I don't – Cliff Kingsbury is the odds-on favorite from some books to be the next coach fired. So I think removing the contract part because – Head coaches, you know, the contracts don't go against the cap, and Michael Bidwell will look kind of like a – That's true. Like That's he true. made a terrible decision, but, you know, people are going to forget. It's laughable. You know, you move on. Um, I don't think there was much of a package deal as they were when Cliff Kingsbury was brought in to groom Kyler Murray at this point. Like, yes, Kyler Murray just signed a contract extension. And also, Kyler Murray won the Heisman, won Rookie of the Year, has been a Pro Bowler twice, and has been in the MVP conversation as soon as, you know, a year ago. So I don't think that, like, he's not playing as well this year. That is for sure. He also kept the Cardinals from going 1-5 and five when he put this team on his back and did something that very few NFL uh, quarterbacks could do in, in Vegas and brought them all the way back, and they ended up getting an overtime win in miraculous fashion. Like, there are oh-my-God moments in Kyler Murray, and there are not oh-my-God moments in all NFL quarterbacks that are now starting. So I don't think there's much of a package deal as we once thought it's going to get weird if the Cardinals lose the next couple in a row. It, 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 it will. Because heads are going to roll, I think, in some capacity. We're talking with Alex Clancy, host of the Locked on Cardinals podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, I want to talk about the wide receivers because Hollywood Brown it seemed to me developed pretty good chemistry with Kyler right off the bat, right? And DeAndre Hopkins has been out with the, with the suspension. He comes back, but, you know, D-Hop had some drops last year. I'm expecting some rust. They also trade for Robbie Anderson. I don't know if that's going to be a game changer. What do you make of the uh, wide receiver core and how it's kind of in flux? It just sucks that Hollywood Brown got hurt. Because, I mean, here what, what we've been waiting for is the the both of them, the young buck and the, the elder statesman just going out and, you know, doing things like, you know, they would be able to leverage this offense to a height that we probably haven't seen maybe ever, I mean, since their 2015 run with that magical run with Carson Palmer, but it's kind of like Robbie Anderson's probably going to be limited. I think he's going to play tonight, but who knows if he's going to be on a pitch count. He's been an Arizona Cardinal for less than 100 hours. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. I I am a DeAndre Hopkins truther. He was my favorite wide receiver before he got traded to the Cardinals. I thought he was on that Andre Johnson and, you know, home cooking for you like Marcus Colston path where it's like you're appreciated, but you're not really appreciated in the national level like you should be. Um, because he's never really been the fastest receiver in the NFL, I feel like Russ doesn't necessarily correlate to him as much because he doesn't rely on his speed or separation to get his. He's just got freakishly great hands. He's, his catch radius is wild. Like, you know, I think he's going to be able to make more of an impact more immediately than we think. But you could look at it on paper and see this, at least for tonight, as kind of a net positive in the wide receiver room if Robbie Anderson plays. Even though Hollywood Brown's out, you do get two capable wide receivers taking his place. So the car, it's going to be weird. I mean, I have no idea where the target share is going to go. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. Does the, the change at wide receiver kind of just make you feel uncertain about just the outcome overall for tonight's game? Because both teams are in kind of weird places. Yeah, absolutely. And both teams don't really – can't really point exactly like, you know, you could at least, at least the Saints could point to injuries on the offensive side of the ball, Marshawn Lattimore, things like that. Is Dennis Allen the guy? You know, like all those things. Yes, 
I guess. I mean, but in any point, Kyler Murray could say, you know what? And you know what? Call of Duty comes out today, I believe. So if he has one thing that he could do to shove it to everybody, he comes out and has an all-star performance tonight. So I think it's going to be more if Kyler Murray can will this team to win tonight on a short week after losing kind of an embarrassing fashion after, you know, Seattle held them to three offensive points after giving up a 39-burger to the Saints the week before. Like, this should be a primed Kyler Murray primetime game, and the wide receivers will be a part of that, but I think it's really going to be him just leading the charge. And then after a win, he shares on social media him playing Call of Duty. I think that would be amazing. Oh, um, mic drop. <laughs> uh, I want to get your – got only about a minute left, but I want to get your thoughts <laughs> nationally, Alex, because the NFC three divisions combined, South, North, West, have one winning team. And I see the NFL in general struggling offensively and we're six weeks in, and we're way down on scoring, and we're way down on yardage. What do you make of what we're seeing with such so many mediocre teams and so many bad offenses? Fantastic question. I'm so happy you asked this because I had this thought. I think we're in the middle of a solar eclipse where the defense is finally catching back up to the offense. More money's getting put in on the defense. There's better coaches on the defensive side of the ball saying, you know what, we're going to stop Patrick Mahomes this year. We're going to stop Josh Allen this year. And I feel like we're starting to see like the adolescence braces phase of fusing back into late 80s, early 90s football before it was quarterback-centric and 50 points a game. I also think I like that point. I also think we're not seeing development of offensive linemen in college, and I'm mm. starting to see that bleed over now into the NFL as well. Yeah, I like that. Because I don't think yeah, we see enough good enough offensive linemen that understand pass protection like we did 15, 20 years ago as well. I just don't see it. I don't see it in college either, by the way. Uh, Alex, this was great. Uh, tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where they can go to get the latest podcast. Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner and uh, check out Locked on Cardinals free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Alex, thank you so much, man. Enjoy the game. Appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks for having me. That was Alex Clancy, host of the Locked on Cardinals podcast. Man, he was good. Brought the energy. Did not mince words about the Cardinals. I like it. Like it. Got to have him back on again. Heck, may just have them on again just to talk NFL in general. We got to take a timeout, wrap up our number three, our final one of this Thursday edition. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Just a reminder. New York Yankees, Houston Astros are squaring off in the ALCS, and you can listen to Game 2 of the American League Championship Series tonight on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch is set for 6.37. Tune in tonight for Yankees at Astros on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. Also, right here, Thursday night football, Arizona Cardinals, New Orleans Saints, Kickoff 715. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. You're home for the NFL. In addition to that, with the Saints and the Cardinals facing off tonight, we can get you ready for that game as Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnston from 4 to 6, leading you up to the game, getting you prepared. So come hang out with the fellas. Enjoy the ice-cold beverages, the great appetizers, the tasty burgers, Tonight, as the Saints take on the Cardinals. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnston. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. I want to take a moment to thank our guests on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. 
Les East from Crescent City Sports, Gary Goff, McNeese head football coach, and Alex Clancy from the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Let's get to our poll question of the day. Final results. We asked you, Zion's performance last night was phenomenal. Does his performance last night serve as any indication on his upcoming season? 70% of you say yes. 20% say no. 10% say who cares? It's football season. <laughs> JPK, the OD, says, not yet. Eight of the first 11 are on the road. Let's revisit then. He's going to wait. I can respect that. Hudat Forever says, Pels win the chip. Lakers get the first overall pick. We end up with a championship and another generational player. I feel it in my bones. Today was a good day with the Ice Cube gif. I like that all day long. And Darren says he would prefer us not to refer to him as number one Zion hater of RP3 and company. He likes the title that we have bestowed upon him, so we will leave him as the number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. That's going to do it for today's show. Whew, great job by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. Appreciate all of you who voted and commented on the poll question of the day. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.